Hey, IC Warriors. Welcome back to another episode of ICU. I've been getting a lot of requests for me to share my IC story. So today, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So enjoy listening to my story and getting to know me a little bit better. Welcome to the ICU podcast. I'm your host, Callie, a registered dietitian living with interstitial cystitis. Each week, I'll be diving into hot topics in the IC world, giving others a platform to share their story, and I may even reveal some of my favorite nutrition tips. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now, let's get into the episode. All right, first solo episode of the podcast. I have to admit, I am a little nervous. Um, I've always struggled with public speaking. I don't really know why, but I've worked on it over the past like 10 years and I feel like I'm finally getting good, not good, but finally getting okay at it. So bear with me. Um, So I just wanted to kind of review with you all my IC journey and hopefully that helps you get to know me better and you know it it might help other people um, understand how I develop different views on different things in the IC world and you know how my methods started so um, let's start from the top. <laughs> I have had burning with urination and after urination since I was a child. As far back as I can remember, I have had pain. And it's the type of pain that feels like I'm peeing fire, or you could use the example of um, pouring lime juice on a cut or something. (laughs) That's how it felt for me to go to the bathroom every single time as a child. And I thought this was completely normal, so I just kind of sucked it up and dealt with it. So I even had external burning, which I can remember like if I was peeing and if the pee like got on the outside of my vagina, it just also really hurt. It felt like an open wound. And so I'm, you know, as an adult now with all the knowledge that I have, I'm thinking that was some vulvodynia or vestibulodynia. I'm pretty sure that's a word. Um, so that now makes sense to me. But in hindsight, I remember, and I'll kind of explain this a bit later. I'm trying to go in like a timeline order for you guys. So it makes the most sense. But I, from, I guess, the time when I started, you know, wiping myself until I was in high school was wiping back to front, which 
as I'm sure you all know, is a no-no because, you know, you're getting all of the bacteria that's in the back into, um, it can go into your urethra and give you a whole lot of problems. Um, so that was, that makes the most sense to me as to why I was having all of that burning. I'm not sure if I had UTIs as a kid. I was never tested. I, you know, would mention it to my mom and I can't really remember. My memory is awful, but I'll remember like really random things. Uh, and I, I just remember, remember her kind of just brushing it off and, you know, I'm, I'm sure she just hoped it went away. Uh, and I'm pretty sure they took me to a doctor one time, but nothing came, came from that. Like I said, memory is horrible, but I'm going to tell you everything that I can remember. So picture little Callie in elementary school, going to the bathroom, uh, having this burning and coming back to the classroom and just sitting there. My, my class was watching a movie. I was in horrible pain. I had this crazy burning and urethral spasms and everything was just like, holy crap, this is awful. So I get the courage to go to the bathroom again. Um, I was really self-conscious about it. Uh, I just really didn't want anybody to notice that I was going to the bathroom multiple times. I also was like worried that people would think I was pooping, which <laughs> we know everybody poops, but sometimes you just, I don't know, don't want people to know. So I, I remember that vividly, just having that embarrassment from having to go to the bathroom again. And obviously when I went back to the bathroom, I had like two drops of pee come out and it was just pain all over again. So <laughs> it's, that's one thing that I remember. Um, I also remember in fifth grade, I went to a birthday party and I peed before leaving because we had an, about an hour drive to this birthday party. And I was with my friends and um, like their mom was driving and I had a crazy amount of burning. And so instinctually, which is really cool, I I figured out that cold was what my pelvic floor wanted. So I had a water bottle and I just sat in the car with a water bottle on my pelvic floor. And I was really hoping that nobody would notice and nobody actually asked me any questions about it. So that was great. And then I got to enjoy the birthday party. But for about a half an hour there, I was in a crazy amount of pain. So fast forward to middle school, um, I don't have too many memories with my IC in middle school outside of wearing skinny jeans all the time, which as we all know is tight clothes are a trigger for a lot of us. Um, so I, I'm sure I got a ton of pain and discomfort from doing that. Uh, and then high school is where things really got worse. My diet in high school was not good. Our school lunch, well, I would start out the day with a sugary cereal, which I still do in adulthood because <laughs> I love cereal. But high school lunches were not balanced. We would have like 
big plateful of pasta, like the spiral kind, and it's probably like six, six portions, like what, what portions were supposed to look like of noodles. They would have like butter on them, and then they'd put sauce on it. And then they would give you two rolls, like dinner rolls. And we all thought it was the coolest thing if you like dig a little hole in your roll and then stuff pasta into it and eat it as like a sandwich. And that was lunch. And thinking back, I'm like that, all we were eating was carbs and, you know, a ton of tomato sauce. And they had that, like, once a week. And the other options that they had were not great. They had, like, bagels with cream cheese. And they had uh, they had these really crappy salads that nobody wanted. They would do, like, not – like, your typical school lunches, they, they try to force you to have some fruit or a vegetable. And it's, like, nobody – no kid really wants that. So – I was also drinking, like, juice or – I remember there was, like, a Minute Maid juice that was, like, fruit punch, and it was just, like, so sugary. And looking back, it's, like, no wonder I was in so much pain because I was eating so many different triggers. But also, I was eating a lot of, you know, refined, refined sugar, a lot of added sugars. Diet really wasn't balanced. I was eating, like, very minimal fruits and veggies wasn't drinking that much water. I was playing three sports in high school. I was playing volleyball in the fall, basketball in the winter, and soccer in the spring. And so I was constantly moving. Um, Volleyball, we had to wear those spandex, which is like skin tight, on your butt, really holding everything in. And I would get so many um, episodes of, of pain after practice or during practice and or even before practice and I didn't want to put my spandex on so that was really not a good experience and then basketball and soccer I would wear like compression shorts under my uniform shorts and that was like the same thing as wearing spandex so I really wasn't not was not thriving in high school in terms of bladder health Uh, and at that point I continued thinking that this burning that I was having was normal. And I knew that water made things better. It kind of kept my symptoms at bay. Or if I had a lot of burning, it would, if I chugged water, it would make me feel better. So I had my doctor write me a note that said Callie needs to have water with her at all times during high school. And my school at the time, like they didn't let anybody have drinks in class. So, you know, I was like, oh, I'm so cool. I get to have a water bottle (laughs) in class. Everybody's going to be so jealous. And, you know, it did help. I I feel like I did drink a pretty good amount of water during high school. So that that was helpful. And then I got my first UTI uh, freshman year of high school in the spring during a soccer game. I remember it was an away game and... I was so excited because I was on the JV team and my coach told me that I was captain for that season and I was so excited. It's like the ultimate goal for me. So 
we had our JV game and my coach was a guy and I had to pee like I could literally just have sat on the toilet for the entire game and just skipped it but I had to play it was a big game and I had to keep going to the bathroom every 10 minutes in the bathroom it was like a it was a track and the bathroom was in like this separate little building where the locker rooms were so I had to keep running back and forth between the soccer game and the bathroom thingy and you really couldn't sub that much so I feel like I was just like really trying to get through it trying to distract myself and then I went at halftime and then I went after the game and then you're supposed to stay for the varsity game just to support and then ride everybody rides the bus home together but I remember my my last few peas, I started to see blood and I was like, this is not good. Like, I didn't really know what was happening, but I knew that blood was not good. So I told my parents uh, and they told my coach and I'm sure that was an uncomfortable conversation. I was, I like really didn't want to tell him either because it's such a, you know, you don't want to tell your coach that your bladder hurts. It's kind of at least in high school, it's not something I wanted to do. So my parents then took me to a urgent care and the the doctor made me pee in the cup. And I was like, are you sure, are you, sure you want me to pee in a cup? Because I'm peeing blood. And he's like, yeah, like I still need to see it. So I did that, brought it back into the room. My mom was in there with me. I'm pretty sure she almost passed out when she saw the blood. <laughs> so then I got you know, my first taste of azo or peridium. And I had a, they put me on an antibiotic. So that was all good. Um, and I, I really enjoyed the feeling of not having any burning when taking the peridium. So that was fantastic for me. Um, and in high school, I... I started to do some research and, you know, I was, I was really just like on Google all the time trying to figure out what was wrong with me. Um, I ended up trying to take cranberry pills. I tried doing that, um, what's it called? The, oh, the Summer's Eve. I thought that those uh, wipes that they had at the time, I don't know if they still have them, I thought that those might be helpful, so we tried that, didn't help, cranberry pills made everything worse, and in high school is also when I became sexually active, and that was another painful experience for me, and just being told on... TV or in movies or just in social media how, you know, that's supposed to be a good experience. And I had the opposite of that. It was a horrible experience. I was in so much pain. I was so disappointed. I, I really felt like kind of hopeless at that point. And I was just in high school. So I was so confused. I didn't know what was happening to me. Google really wasn't being helpful. So I finally got my mom to let me see a urologist, and I am pretty sure that was right when college started, when I was 18, 
and I saw this local woman. She was kind of older, maybe in her like early 70s. She could have been like 55 and just like looked old and that's what I perceived her as, but she I remember sitting in her office and I was like really nervous. I was by myself. Uh, I had driven myself to the appointment. I wasn't used to like going without my mom. So I was nervous and she comes in and you know, the, the takeaways that I had from that visit were the, that was the first time somebody told me that you should not be wiping from back to front. And let me tell you, I felt like an idiot when she told me that I was like, so, and I didn't say this out loud, but like, you're telling me that I have been wiping the wrong way from my entire life you know that looking back on it is probably how I got that first UTI I'm surprised I didn't get UTIs before that uh unless they were just there and untreated but this doctor told me that and she told me to not shave down there and she sent me, you know, off into the world and was like, we're going to do a cystoscopy with hydrodistension. And 18-year-old me had no idea what any of that meant, but I trusted that my doctor was doing what was best for me. So I scheduled the procedure. I had to have my dad pick me up from college. And I went to college about like an hour, 15 minutes away from my house. So I had that procedure at a local hospital and I, I woke up and I just remember I felt like this crazy frequency and I had never experienced frequency before that and then I, I went back to college and I thought oh this is going to be so much better like that procedure I'm sure did something and then all of a sudden I'm in my dorm room and I'm starting to have to go pee like 10 times a night and that was really embarrassing because I had a roommate and I just like could not I was really self-conscious about it and my friends and I we would go to like parties at frat houses and we had this running joke that everybody would say Cal has to pee and that would be our our like code word for let's go to the bathroom because I had always had to go to the bathroom so when we got to the party we would go to the bathroom after we were downstairs in the basement like the the frat basements were just not where you want to be and you know hopefully after COVID they get a little cleaner because they were disgusting but we would have to go all the way upstairs fight through a crowd wait in line for the bathroom and you know it just was really inconvenient because I just wanted to have fun and drink alcohol and be normal and I was just experiencing this crazy frequency so that <laughs> was not great I also with drinking alcohol I would be in the most severe pain the next day like literally peeing fire for an hour or two the next day or even the whole day sometimes and I would call it a bladder hangover because I, kn I knew it was from the alcohol. Um, I would also get like crazy IBS flares after I would 
drank alcohol because I have IBS and that also would trigger that. So it was just an utter disaster <laughs> just the next day. Um, and I also remember during that time, like trying to explain my condition to different people in college and specifically I remember trying to tell this one guy that I really liked about it and he ended up like basically breaking up with me and I'm pretty sure it was because he found out that like I couldn't have sex with him <laughs> so that you know 26 year old me is like okay that was you just dodged a bullet um, but at the time that made me feel really unwanted and just hopeless that I wasn't ever going to find somebody who loved me for me and didn't care about that. So that was a really tough time for me. And I, I started going to therapy at that time. And I also, my sophomore year of college, either sophomore or junior year, I found a urogynecologist near my college where I saw, I'm pretty sure she was a nurse practitioner. And I really liked her. Her first name was Elizabeth. I don't know her last name, but she was really sweet. And during my time with her, I was with her for like months. And we had tried Elmeron. We tried Amitriptyline, Mirbetric, Yarabel. We tried all those medications. We tried installations. I remember doing the installations and I would sit, you know, in in the stirrups for like 20 minutes dying to be able to go pee because just having that medication in my bladder was not fun. Uh, we also tried Botox to the pelvic floor, which was one of the most painful things I've ever had. So that we only did one or two times. We tried a cream that gave me a severe allergic reaction. So it was a cream that I was supposed to apply topically um, on my vagina. And I was going to Ocean City, Maryland for my 21st birthday that weekend. And I remember I called my doctor up and I was like, I'm having a really bad reaction to this. Like, it was like, the worst thing possible. I couldn't walk. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. Just severe pain every time I moved. And she was like, oh, well, there really isn't anything we can do. And she just kind of gave me the runaround and blew me off. And so I went, <laughs> it's so funny thinking back on, uh, I went to Ocean City, Maryland with my mom, my aunt, my boyfriend at the time. And like, it was supposed to be a really exciting time. It's my 21st birthday. We were going to rage. And um, they they wanted to stop and get some alcohol uh, in Delaware because it's cheap there. There's no tax. And they were like, are you coming? And I was like, I literally cannot get out of this car right now. Like, I cannot. And I think everybody kind of realized, like, she needs help. So... My boyfriend and I went to the emergency room on the eve of my 21st birthday and they ended up giving me lidocaine and I have this really funny picture of me in like a hospital gown 
giving the peace sign or no wait, i was giving the thumbs up um it was like a polaroid photo because we thought polaroids were cool at the time and luckily i was able to enjoy my 21st but i had to like keep applying lidocaine so that was a fun story um but i, I went back to that doctor and she was the first person who told me about the IC diet and i was like i am not changing my diet there's no way I'm not eliminating any of the foods on that list that it tells me to. Like, I'm very stubborn, and I don't like being told what to do. That's, like, my biggest character flaw, and I completely blew that off. I was like, I'm not stopping coffee, alcohol, chocolate. I'm in college. Like, I, I need that stuff. And I started going to acupuncture and I remember she was telling me how like she thought I had an issue with my kidneys which just made me even more stressed so I stopped going to her I went to multiple chiropractors who if you've been to a chiropractor they can get a little um pushy sometimes I mean I guess it depends on the chiropractor but I had a lot of supplements pushed on me. I had this one doctor who would do, he had this device that he would like run over my body and it would like detect spots where I guess they were like problem spots. It was like the most, the strangest thing. It was just a bizarre experience. And he was trying to tell me like my tattoos and my belly button piercing were causing me all of these problems. And I was like, ah. I'm very skeptical on this, so I stopped seeing him, and finally, I, I was recommended public floor physical therapy, and when they told me that I should try that, I was like, what is that? That sounds like something that I don't want to do, um, and I remember the public floor physical therapy office tried calling me. To set up an appointment and I was like oh I'm good thank you and I kind of just like blew that off and then a couple weeks later I was still having problems and I was like all right fine I'll try it so I started doing that I went to a therapist who was near my college and they worked primarily on core strength uh, I have a really really I don't know what you would call it. My back arches like you can't see me, so this is difficult to describe, but my back is straight and then when it gets down to like the the butt area, like it really curves and I guess my pelvis is like tilted forward when it should be tilted back in like a neutral position. And my butt kind of sticks out. So, she worked on that type of thing with me and did like Pilates type work and I remember she would hold a like wooden stick to my back to kind of model what we want my spine to look like and I thought that was so weird at the time but really it was it was really helpful for me to understand that my spine had some issues and she showed me some stretches that I can do and you know kind of fizzled out there and then the next year I came back I guess this is my senior year and I 
tried a different physical therapist at the same place because my first one was busy. And so I discovered that this physical therapist had a different style. She had taught me different skills that I could use to relax and, you know, different ideas she had to make sex less painful. She taught me how to do a bowel massage when I'm constipated. And I thought that was one of the most helpful things anybody's ever taught me. Um, if you have never heard of it, look it up. It's really cool. She encouraged me to try to follow the icy diet. So I tried to quit coffee and I actually started drinking black tea and as you all I'm sure know that is also a trigger so I wasn't doing myself any good there. I also stopped drinking uh, different like non-water beverages like juices, soda, whatever and I replaced them with LaCroix which is a sparkling water which as you guys know is another trigger. So I was trying to do the diet but I was failing so badly and I remember one day I was I was this was still in college I was going for nutrition and I attended one of Jill Osborne she's the head of the IC network her Facebook live she does each week and I remember just thinking that was the coolest thing and I saw Julie Byer, she is a dietitian who specializes in IC, and I thought, that is so cool. I did not know that anybody could do this, and she had actually been the only person doing that at that time, and I, I thought that was so awesome, and that became my long-term goal, was to help people with IC, and my senior year of college, I did some research. There was this doctor who specialized, I think she was a urogynecologist. She specialized in IC out of, she was in Philly. And I saw that she did this surgery that was called, well, and I actually didn't really know what it was called, but I went into her office the first day I saw her and I was like, I know you do this surgery. I want to do the surgery. And she was like, okay, let's get you signed up for the surgery. And that was that. And I, I picked a day and I <laughs> had no idea what I got myself into. My parents were like, okay, what surgery are you getting? And I couldn't even tell them that. I didn't know the name of it until the night before when they call you to tell you when to show up. And I was like, it was one of my doctor's students because it was a teaching hospital I was like, what am I having done tomorrow? Which is like mind blowing to me that I didn't know. And eventually she told me that it was called a vulvectomy, vestibulectomy, partial flap advancement. And I, I was potentially getting my skein's glands removed. So I didn't know what any of that meant, but I wrote it down. I went in for the surgery and... I, um, I remember going on to, like, they walked me into the surgical room, like the OR, and they had to keep me awake 
until the very last minute because my doctor wanted to do a Q-tip touch test, which is when they take a Q-tip and they touch random spots on um, the outside of your vagina to, this helps with determining like vulvodynia where it's the worst. And that helped her see like what skin she needed to remove. And also I apologize if you are triggered by medical procedures, my boyfriend would totally pass out with this explanation. Um, so, you know, I go into surgery, I wake up, I have to pee so badly. Like I've never had to pee so bad in my life when I woke up and I, I told my nurse, I was like, I need to pee so bad. And they were like, okay, let's get you on the bedpan, which bedpan is like this little basin that you have to like hoist yourself up onto, which is not comfortable. And I was like straining so hard that I blew my one or multiple of my stitches and like I started like bleeding out and I actually passed out and they brought me back into the OR and my poor boyfriend at the time he was like in the waiting room just like absolutely panicking because nobody's telling him anything and I just think that's so funny but I woke up after the second time and they they were like you blew your stitches um you're fine now but it's it's a little more of a serious of a recovery since you had to go under again and they were like we're going to give you a catheter or you have a catheter in we have packing in and we want to see you back tomorrow and I was like I have to go home and they were like yeah and I called my mom crying like (laughs) still kind of like high from the um Uh, anesthesia and I was like mom (laughs) I cannot go home like just absolutely bawling my eyes out and my mom's the type of person who like will yell at anybody who's wronging me so she was like put the doctor on the phone and we ended up well this one of my doctor's students were there so the student was talking to my mom and this poor student my mom was like so mean to her And then the student had to put the doctor on the phone. And then my mom was like, she is staying at this hospital overnight. You are not sending her home. And so I ended up staying the night because my mom bullied them. And I I literally can't even imagine going back to college with a catheter packing and having to drive an hour back to my doctor the next day. So that experience is horrible. And that that week following where I was recovering was just awful. I like was so terrified to do any sort of train or straining. And I truly thought that this surgery was going to solve my problem. I thought it was going to take all my pain away. thought it was going to be my magic solution. And for a week or two, I was feeling good and hopeful. And then there was one moment where I just felt that burning again. And I was like, no 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 and I was like absolutely panicked and I went to the doctor and I was talking to one of the students and I was like I started feeling this burning like I'm really really worried that this didn't help me at all and she was like oh don't worry like I'm sure it's it's gonna get better I remember feeling like 
like this this student had no idea what I was going through like she was saying all the wrong things like I just felt so discouraged and like just hopeless at that point and so I ended up breaking up with that doctor because I just her patient care was horrible and I ended up going to see a urologist at home with a good reputation for working with people with IC and they ended up wanting to do a cystoscopy so I thought okay fine I'll do it because you know me I'll do anything a doctor tells me to I was so uh, naive back then and I ended up having the cystoscopy awake I was in so much pain during that procedure I had tears streaming down my face and the doctor was just like kind of ignoring the fact that I was crying which doesn't feel good and she was showing me on the the screen you know she had the scope in and she showed me the inside of my bladder and saw nothing and then took it out and was like you've tried everything at this point and there's nothing that we can do for you and she gave me the list of or she gave me three names of doctors in the tri-c area that are also specialists and one of them was the doctor from philly and after seeing her name i was just like totally triggered and i ended up just giving up on seeking treatment for like two years and i just that was like the absolute worst experience for me and i i didn't have the option to do the cystoscopy um like not awake uh, and under anesthesia. And I, if I had that option, I totally would have taken it. And so I took like two years off of treatment. I started, that, that was truly rock bottom for me. Like I went home and I just bawled my eyes out. I, I f- had never felt so hopeless. So I um, was finally so desperate that I was willing to make some diet changes and finally I I committed to an elimination diet. I had I was in my uh, dietetic internship which is you have to do a full year of a dietetic internship in order to be eligible to take the exam to become a registered dietitian. So I was doing a bunch of different like clinical rotations and things like that. So that's when I was doing the elimination diet. I started seeing a new physical therapist. She was really awesome. I was, things started looking up. This was the first time I was starting to experience relief from my symptoms. And I also found a new therapist, um, like a psychotherapist that helped me manage my stress. And over the years, since then, I have just been working towards learning my triggers. So it could be diet triggers. It could be not diet triggers. Um, I found that I was, as I already knew, sensitive to alcohol. Um, I, wine absolutely destroys me. Hard seltzers destroy me. Um, tomatoes in excess bother me. Same thing with chocolate. Um, those are pretty much my biggest triggers. If I get dehydrated, that is a huge trigger for me. 
if I get really stressed, I clench my pelvic floor and that is like the end for me if I, if I have that happen. Um, if I wear tight clothes, if I'm in a very hot temperature, like if I go to Florida and it's 100 degrees, that's a trigger for me. So over the years, I found what works for me and what doesn't. And if I'm, I've learned that, you know, if I'm going to a warm place and I don't want to be uncomfortable, I will drink a ton of water. I will take preventative peridium. I will wear a dress so I don't have tight clothes on. And if I get a flare, I know that ice works for me. Heat does not work for me. Um, I will drink lots of water, take my azo, and sometimes I just need like 10 to 20 minutes to just suffer. (laughs) Sounds awful, but that is what works for me. And then usually I'm fine. And I've learned through researching and, you know, learning about all of the different subtypes that my symptom of burning after urination is typically a sign of pelvic floor dysfunction and that my pelvic floor is too tight. And once I started focusing on addressing my pelvic floor, I, I started to see some relief. And also once my diet kind of fell into place and I managed my stress, things started really looking up. And then I ended up starting, um, after the pandemic hit, I I quit the job that I was doing at the time and I decided to finally take the jump, start my own business. I named it Callie K Nutrition because my last name is (laughs) so difficult to pronounce. I would not want to do that to any of you. And I decided that I was going to specialize in IC and only IC and really become that specialist that I I really was looking to be. And I, um, I, I had been away from treatment for a while and I actually was on the phone with Jill Osborne and she was telling me that there was a IC specialist in my area in Pennsylvania. And I surprisingly had never heard of this guy before. And I was like, I, I need to get in contact with him. So I sent his office an email and we ended up, uh, me, him, and his, he's training a nurse practitioner. And we all got on a Zoom call and we just chatted and he invited me to come shadow him at his office. So I did that. And I actually, before that, was like, you really sound like you know what you're talking about. So I would love to be one of your patients uh, if you're still open to new patients. And they sent me this like 17 page questionnaire to fill out about my medical history. And I'd never filled anything like that out before. So that was like, oh, okay, this guy like really is gonna do a thorough review of my history. So that was a good start. So I ended up shadowing him for about like four hours that day, sat in on an appointment. And at the end, he was like, oh, well, we have some extra time. Like, we can do your assessment today if you want. And 
I was like there in a professional setting and I was like, so you're telling me you're gonna look at my private area after (laughs) we just had a professional type day together. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, all right, whatever. I've had probably 20 to 25 different people uh, see my private area before. And I was like, all right, let's just do it. And so he did this thorough review of my history. He poked and prodded all around my body, obviously with my permission, and talked to me during the whole thing, told me what was happening. And we ended up doing um, an installation that day, and we also did a couple trigger point injections, which were really painful. The installation wasn't that bad because they use a pediatric catheter, and uh, we started to do those every other week. And we also started, or he started me on hydroxyzine and Neurontin. So that is where we started with him. And I have since then, it's been maybe six months since I started with him and I've been doing the installations and I finally ended up being taught how to deal with them myself. And I'm going to do a separate episode on that, but I now do them on my own. So things are are really coming together. I feel like I've never had um, so much success or so much relief from my symptoms. I feel like I finally am like taking control of my IC and, you know, people, people view me as being, since I'm, you know, specializing in this condition, they sometimes have the misconception that I'm in remission and that's truly to me, remission would be like, six months of having zero symptoms at all. And that's just not the case for me. I've had this my whole life. I have never known a, a day without either feeling a little bit of a burn or just thinking about my bladder in some capacity. And as I said, things are a whole lot better, but I don't consider myself in remission. And I think that's an important conversation to have, or at least to consider with yourself, like what is my definition of remission and how might that be different from other people's definition? Because it's really dependent on you and what what your story is. So, you know, we can save that conversation for another day. But, you know, in sharing my journey, I, I know there's people who I've connected with who have a similar story, like Jenna from episode two. She also grew up with IC. Um, we we talked about, you know, feeling confused and, and just not knowing what's going on with our bodies and thinking that this pain that we're experiencing is normal. I, I really think that is, you know, just... I, I wish that it hadn't happened to me, but at the same time, I never, I, I wouldn't be where I am today without those experiences. So I also have traveled a lot, like to Europe. I, I've been over there a lot and I've learned how to travel with IC. So things like wearing dresses, how to deal with flares abroad, um, 
explaining to my friends that I'm traveling with that I might not be able to indulge in every single food or beverage that we're presented with, but that'll pick and choose and and just having those conversations. um, It's just, there's been a lot of experiences that I can, that I'm going to do my best to share with you all. Um, Things that worked for me and things that don't work for me. But the thing to remember is we're all so different and what works for one person might not work for another person. So it's, it's really just such a unique condition. Um, I also recently, a couple months ago, started learning about TMS, which is tension myositis syndrome. I think now I'm second guessing myself. Um, I'm going to Google that. (laughs) I don't want to tell you guys the wrong thing. Tension. Yeah, I'm right. Okay. So there, there was this Dr. John Sarno. He, you know, wrote a couple books about the mind body connection. And there's this woman, um, I think she's a social worker called Nicole Sachs. And she has um, a course that teaches you about this thing called journal speak that she I'm pretty sure has the name trademarked, but it's like journaling each each day for 20 to 30 minutes about different small or big traumas that you've had throughout your life and just kind of sifting through that stuff. And I actually experienced a lot of relief during my time doing that journal journaling. And I've communicated with a couple other people who do the same thing and they also find it very helpful. But the thing to be careful with is a lot of people can get upset that that TMS is implying that it's all in your head and that your pain's all in your head. But it really, it's it's a lot more than that. It's not. It, I'm I'm gonna let you guys do your own research on that one, um, but I I really found it to be helpful. So you know, if you're open to trying something new, then maybe look into it. Um, but. Yeah, that brings us to the present. So I started my business, Cali K Nutrition. I am one of two registered dietitians that I know of that only specialize in IC. That is the only thing we specialize in. The other person is Julie Beyer, who I mentioned earlier. And I created this program that is called Road to Remission because we all want to be in remission. That is our end goal. But if we can't reach remission, we at least want to have improvement in our symptoms. And this program is designed to last about 12 weeks, and it combines an elimination diet, education, and support. So I, I believe this is the best, the best combination of things that will give you the, the best chance of reaching remission. Um, I think that it combines all of the, well, not all, but most of the first line of recommended treatments, uh, which would include diet modifications, educating yourself on the condition, and managing your stress. And I think that that private support group and connecting with other people really does help with managing stress because you feel less isolated. So that is a really awesome thing is to be able to 
relate to other people. And, and the goal of the program is to really break through that food fear mentality through showing you what your personal dietary triggers are. And, you know, that's under my supervision. So making sure you're not missing any nutrients or anything like that. If you're interested in it, I do offer free discovery calls. Um, the admissions, it's, it's like a rolling admissions type thing. You can start whenever is convenient for you. And yeah, I think it's a really fantastic program that I wish I had back when I was going through all of my symptoms. So that is currently what I offer. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope you guys enjoyed hearing my story and, and how things have really progressed for me and how my symptoms have only gotten better over the years with just learning what works for me and what doesn't. So yeah, now you guys know me better. Um, I would love it if you guys would reach out to me and if you want to share your story, you know, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Callie K Nutrition and just say hi. You can, you know, tell me all about your story or your journey so far, what worked for you, what didn't, and really get the conversation rolling. I feel like us talking to each other, we can eventually find similar or we, we can draw conclusions about what's what's working for people and maybe solve this ourselves because <laughs> there isn't that much research happening. So sometimes you got to take matters into your own hands. But yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram. Um, I'm also on Facebook. I'm a moderator of the Interstitial Cystitis Nutrition Support Group. Uh, so you can join that. And yeah, just keep on listening to this podcast. And if you love it, please rate it five stars. And I will talk to you guys soon.